Alan Watt is with us again this evening, and Alan, it's nice to have you back. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. Yeah. <laughs> You've been a busy uh, guy. Yeah, very busy. Uh-huh. I'm just getting the wood in now as a save for this, this winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, just going at it, cutting, cutting, cutting. How many cords do you need? Oh, I, I don't count cords. I just look at piles. Oh, piles. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just a couple of little hills will do me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you and again, it depends on how hard the, the winter is. Yeah, and how long it lasts, mm-hmm. and how your cutting weather is. That's right. Yeah. Well, you got it in last year, didn't you, Alan? So in last year, and there's also the well, there's a lot of bears around now, so they're you, you sort of dodge the bears. Mind you, they dodge you too. Do they? Yeah. If they, if they see you coming, they'll get out of your way. Yeah. So no, no, you you haven't run into any that have show, shown any signs of aggressiveness, or like no, maybe sometimes you get occasional one like today with a uh, they stick their head up in the long grass, and he had to have a from year to year he was about a, a foot and a half. <laughs> wow. And big shoulders on him. And what do you do? Do you just kind of? How do you just stand still? Okay. And then hopefully he'll amber off. And if he doesn't, uh, do you keep standing there? Yeah, you don't want to run. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Yeah, you don't run. And generally, the, the bears generally will get out your way. Um, that's only danger if there's cubs around. That, that's, that's when the danger time is. Uh-huh. Right that would be springtime, wouldn't it? Yeah, but some cubs will hang around their mums for a year or more. Okay. Um I know you and I wouldn't call them cubs at that size, but they're... But it's their mother's baby. That's right. Uh-huh. And the uh, mummy there doesn't want any excuses. Uh-huh. And you don't try and pat them like the, 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 the television's trained people to do, you know. Uh-huh. The city folks think they're cute and cuddly because they've watched all the nature programs. You, you, you leave them to their world and they'll leave you to yours. Uh-huh. And you get on just fine. So they're eating the blueberries right now? They're just... <laughs> They're devouring them. Uh-huh. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many berries these guys can eat. Did you get some? No, I've got some, yeah. I've got, I've got some berries. and um, It was a good year for that because they gave us a lot of rain this year. Yeah. Nice, big, fat, sweet berries, aren't they? Oh, there's stacks of them. There's yeah. blueberries. And the raspberries were good, too. Oh. And uh, there was even some of the wild strawberries coming out big time, too, bigger than last year. So now it's the the last of the blueberry season. Yeah. So they they pass my house to get to the the train tracks because it grows great along the train tracks for some reason. The berries do. Yeah. So they can uh, it must be. Soil. I think blueberries like an acidic soil. Either that, they've got a hankering for traveling. They are right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, these certainly are profuse along the, the mm-hmm. railroad tracks. That's cool. Yeah. So when I got at night, I just. Get a flashlight, make sure that you make a noise and they know you're coming, and they get your way. They're uh, not they're not nocturnal animals, are they, Alan? Oh, they can wander at night. Yeah, they'll come in at night too. Uh, generally, they won't hang around the house unless they smell a uh, garbage or or some somebody mm-hmm. from the city's barbecuing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they'll come if they smell a barbecue. They'll come for for miles. They're, their scent is with eight times better than a dog's. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
They don't see too great, though. I didn't know that their scent is that uh, that much more sensitive. Because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why they get attracted to garbage sites and the garbage outside homes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what's on the agenda tonight? What's on oh, your mind uh, besides bears and cutting wood? Besides bears and cutting wood, uh, <coughs> well... I'd always like to talk to the, the ethnic groups that are getting themselves in trouble at the wrong time, or I should say the right time according to the agenda, and speak to the young people, uh, especially the young males, because that they're always... You know, males are young and stupid. We're very stupid when we're young. And uh, they've got to realize that there are agencies setting them up um, They've been provocateured into uh, situations they probably would never get into because the, the, they're getting given leaders by uh, intelligence agencies, generally of their own race and creed and all the rest of it. And they're following them. They're getting themselves in trouble in Britain and across the world. Uh, and in, they've even done programs on the BBC where the Internet... Uh, is being used by the intelligence agencies to get these young guys into it so that they'll uh, get themselves in trouble. The intelligence agencies got to find somebody creating terror or, or, or all the type is just a lot of crying wolf. So they create this situation then they, then they point to these young guys and say, look, we told you so, these, these terrorists are everywhere. And meanwhile, there'd be no terror at all if they left them alone. There'd be some young guys just spouting off, you know. So they're being set up, and, and I hope they, they really understand that. This is a, the, an ancient technique that's been used over and over. Um, they give you the leaders, you'll follow them, you'll end up in entrapment, and then they'll, they'll claim that you're terrorists. Uh, don't follow the big boys, even though they seem to be respected within your own race and creed and religion. When you're saying the big boys, you're saying... The, the good speakers, the ones that are from your own people, you might say, uh, that appear to be the intellectuals, have all the answers, they know what's going on, they create the hype, they get you to follow, and the next thing you know, you're in trouble. Are you, uh, are you talking about talking them into getting involved in in policing and this type of thing, Alan? Oh, no, I'm talking about the, the, the actual terrorist act. Oh, these things are found, for instance, in in, uh, in London and uh, even in Canada. Uh, really, would probably have come to nothing if if the intelligence agencies hadn't uh, encouraged Muslim guy, guys to start chatting on the internet about doing something about what's happening. Because then the same agencies supplied these young guys with the leaders, you know, and su- then supplied them with all the equipment. To get themselves in trouble, then they get arrested for it. They're being set up, in other uh-huh. words. And this is this is typical provocateurship that goes on all the time. And uh, the intelligence agencies have recruited guys who are Sikhs, uh, Hindu, Muslim, uh, every faction you can imagine. It was the intelligence agencies, basically, that set up all the white uh, racist groups in the U.S. 
and I think in one of our early programs we talked about that when the BBC years ago, back in the 70s, did a documentary on one of the southern U.S. states. And uh, it was a whole hour's program about supposed white racist groups. And, uh, and when, you, when, they, when you say white racist, are you calling like the white separatists or white, uh, well, these guys what do they call identity? Uh, they call them neo-Nazis. Okay. And uh, they even showed you the inside of this hall where they met. And there's about maybe 150 of them there. Then about, about eight different U.S. agencies raided it at the same time. And by the end of the night, everybody got away because everybody in it was, was one of their own boys, uh, except for three people who just walked in. Oh, my <laughs> off gosh. The, street. The, whole, so, the whole group. So it's incredible. There's so many overlapping agencies. It's entrapment. It's entrapment, though, Alan. Pardon? It is entrapment. Oh, it's entrapment. But there'd be none of these groups to begin with if, if, the, if the, the feds hadn't created them. And yeah. uh, so it, was, it was so startling to see all these guys gradually filtering away into the night after showing their ID, except for three guys that walked in off the street. Everybody else was an agent from one department or another. So uh, this is the oldest dodge in the book, since they give us the leaders to follow. And um, the innocent, the ones, the naive, end up uh, carrying mm -hmm. the sand. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, that happened to the son of a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. And I think it was basically what woke he and his wife up, because when he told me about it, he, he, he said everything that I had ever talked to them about they could see now was the truth. Uh -huh. And um, he said they'll hear something on the news and look at each other and suddenly realized the lies. But his son and a friend of his, uh, they were out of work, looking for work, and uh, an agent, um, a narc, became friendly with them. Yeah. And he started encouraging them to set up a meth lab. Uh, and both of them kept saying, uh-uh, they wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. He said, well, I can get you the stuff. And as it turned out, uh, my friend's, his buddy was the one that set up the meth lab in his apartment. Mm -hmm. But he didn't really set it up. It was the narc. Yeah. The narc did everything. And then once they got it set up, they got arrested. And they both went to prison. Um, Eric went to prison. I'm thinking it was maybe two or three years as an accessory. These were young college age boys. Yeah. And the whole thing, not either one of them would have ever had a thought in their mind to do that, Alan. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty typical. That's a perfect example, isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Entrapment's the oldest trick in the book. They create the situation, bring in the naive, and set them up and, and then point, look, see? Uh-huh. Uh, and this is how it's done. And they're finding this now with us. They're scouring the Internet, all these agencies looking for young guys who are just beating off and uh, then supplying them with leaders that mm -hmm. come into their sites start chatting to them and yes. seem to be one of their own, you see. Uh -huh. and, and they want to uh, then supply them with the materials to get into trouble and then they'll arrest them for it and say, see, there's terrorism everywhere. Yeah. 
and all this farce that was going on at the airports with the with the fluid bombs, you know, uh, for for babies' milk, everything was getting put put into hampers, uh, mouthwash, everything. Uh, it, it's such an incredible farce, and the public stand up with the they, they put up with the humiliation, yeah. this training technique of being humiliated, and they're being trained to be humiliated, and that's the exact response they want from the public during any tyranny today or, or thousands of years ago. It's always the same technique that's used, and uh, the, the more humiliation you take, the more beaten down you are. And you won't believe uh, that one day you'll be made to walk stark naked right. uh, past people uh, and paraded uh, as, as they laugh at you. Uh, and, the, and the public will fight a sheet over you or something to, to continue your flight if you're so stupid mm -hmm. as to keep going. But that will come because these are sadists in charge of this. Yes, they are, aren't they? Yeah. And one what time I you said what you were saying about uh, your granddaughter going back home. Yeah, with their shoes. Would you tell them what happened? There? Well, everybody had their shoes off. <laughs> I took them to the gate. At the airport. Uh, yeah, at the airport, right? And uh, and the, there was a God. There was a huge snake long line, you know, to get through security. You're supposed had to be there two hours early uh, for the flight. But I saw people walking around in their stocking feet. And um, when we got, I, I mentioned it, and they said, "Oh yeah." And I was okay because I had a pair of thong sandals on. The girls were wearing flip-flops. Brandon had to take his shoes off. But men in business suits, it didn't matter. They take the shoes off, put them in the basket, and then the basket gets run through the line. And um, as a matter of fact, on that trip, uh, they pulled Ashy's purse out and took it over to the side. I was already through. I had to get a security pass. And Ashy is so old? Seventeen. Teenager and you know her young sister and brother were with them. I wasn't even standing there with them because I went through a few people ahead because I had a security pass. So I got on the other side of the security thing there and was watching. And the next thing you know, he had her purse and he took it over to the side by a wall. And I walked over there and I was watching him. And I asked him, "Is there something wrong?" And he said, "Well, it, it, it just looked different." He went through her purse, and I mean, he took every, and it was, you know, young girls' purses, Alan? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, he opened up her makeup bag. He opened up the, the little compact things. He opened up lipstick tubes. Uh, he, he went through that purse with a fine tooth comb, and I guess it took a good close to maybe eight, ten minutes or so, and then he got done, and he stuffed everything back in. He says, okay, have a nice flight. Yeah. And I did get an email about this afterwards. I was shocked. The thing is, there wasn't one person complaining. They just took it in That's their stride. True. And you'll find less with the young because they've been trained in advance in their school searches. Yeah. Coming in and out of school, you think it's normal. That's how this all ties together, how they work so far ahead for what's to come. Well, Alan. And always train the youth. Well, it wasn't just youth. They were the only really young people there at the time we were there. Yeah. These were adults. Mm -hmm. And they, it doesn't matter what their age was. It doesn't matter whether they were dressed in a suit or a pair of jeans or a skirt, a dress. Yeah. Their shoes came off, and they went into the basket and went through the thing. Yeah. So uh, it, it isn't just the youth. In fact, 
my children are very aware of, you know, what's going on. But but you stop and think about it. I thought, you know, the pathetic thing is there's not one person I heard complaining. But, Alan, if you did complain, they'd probably take you in a room and give you a cavity search. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they would. Yeah. It, it, it totally would subdue a person. Mm-hmm. They, because, you know, we a lot of us have heard nightmare stories. I remember reading one of about a year or so ago, a young 15-year-old girl who had gone to a Special Olympics, and she uh, had participated. She had a wooden leg, and they made her sit down right there in front of everybody and take her wooden leg off, Alan. Yeah. Now, do you know what that must do mm-hmm. to a young 15-year-old girl it's, to it's go through It's meant to do that. Yes. It's meant to do that. Yep. The more you're humiliated and then you accept it and, you, and you, that rage is up inside you because you feel helpless, puts you to another level of, of helplessness. And this is a standard technique. You see, Britain, were, they were the first country to use uh, concentration camps. And they used them in the, in the Boer War with the Dutch settlers in Africa. Oh, my. And they found this, they used the same techniques. Um, that eventually Hitler was uh, accused of using. Uh, they would eventually subdue, they'd break the will, they'd break the people by humiliation and, and making them do humiliating things, uh, walking naked, all this kind of thing, cavity searches, blah, blah, blah. This is all old stuff, and it's a science of breaking down the human spirit. Yeah. Yeah. When were the Boer Wars? Oh, that... that that was really started in the 1800s because... Uh, in the what, I'm sorry? Cecil Rhodes really was a guy who initiated the Boer Wars on behalf of Britain. He wasn't acting independently. Um, and that went on to the, uh, into the early 1900s. And then it ended before World War One. You know, we were talking one night on the air about... Uh, what's happening over in South Africa yeah. with the whites. Mm-hmm. And I made a statement, and I said, I find it difficult to feel compassion for them because it isn't their country anyway. I mean, they went over there, and they took, you know, the blacks, the Africans for slaves. And and um, and I got an email from a guy, and he, I, I think he might have said, shame on me or whatever, but and then he said, <clears throat> is it any worse what they did over there than what uh, Americans did to the uh, to the natives here? Yeah. The Indians, the American Indians, uh, and then he named a few, and I, I said I agreed uh, totally. Yeah. Just it, it, the whole thing is outrageous. I watched a movie at the urging of a friend. Uh, the movie on Geronimo, mm-hmm. and I don't know how close to true it was, but there's, uh, it sounded, it looked to me like they were being pretty truthful with it. It was the promises that were made to these people. Mm-hmm. You know, come on over here and give yourself up, and we'll let you go over. And then once they got on the reservations, then all the rules and regulations were laid down, yeah. and they weren't allowed to leave without special permission. Uh-huh. And uh, according to this movie, Geronimo, because uh, he had gone on the warpath, evidently, yeah. he wasn't going to give up. 
But, of course, their ranks were getting smaller and smaller because as they got killed off, there weren't any children coming up. And finally, he gave himself up. And the man that talked him into it, he said he would have to go to Florida for two years, but he could take his family. And they said that he spent 20 years the rest of his life in prison, 20 years in a Florida prison. So the inhumanity oh, to man, it, yeah, it, it, and basically it was the whites. It was the, it was the whites that went over to Africa and took the land and called it theirs. And the whites that came here from Europe and, and said, we got to get rid of these Indians. And so kill them all off. It's more than just the whites. What it is is an entire... It's what's behind it, Alan. It's, it's a system. Yeah. It's a system based on a funny thing, a stranger thing, unnatural thing called money, which we're taught rules our lives. And, and everyone runs after it, and, and then you're willing to do someone else in to get more of it. And, and that's the whole key to it, to this money and profit business. Well, and then they get these military leaders that are... <coughs> what are they... Uh, what, what was that ATF agent that was videotaped during the Waco uh, Holocaust? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a lean, mean killing machine. Oh, yeah. Honed to kill, he said. Mm-hmm. And when you put people like that in charge that have no compassion, yeah. they slaughter for the fun of killing. Well, they're the psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. They do recruit them. They have tests to find the psychopaths yep. in the military and in these special forces. Psychological tests, which are pretty well infallible, so they know what they're looking for. And every henchman in history has always recruited the psychopath to do his dirty work. I know, and I suppose the way I speak, I sound like I'm not white myself, uh, which, of course, I am, from French, Irish, Scotch, Dutch, whatever, a bunch of them, but um, I hear people saying, well... You know, the white race is superior because of their IQ and because they're hard workers and a lot of reasons. But when people can be made or, or cajoled or, or blackmailed or whatever, bribed into slaughtering other people, Alan, no, no. I see nothing superior about that. No, there's a defect, you see, running through human nature. There's no doubt there is a defect here. And... Uh, the defective... See, at one time, these defective ones were killed off by tribes. They'd kill them off. Yes, they did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And uh, and that was the beauty of, of the no-money-type system. And living in tribes, you didn't have an army to come down on you and make you all do the same thing. But the, the people themselves saw a deviant in their midst, and they got rid of them very quickly. Uh, it's through, money is the first uh, deviant creation. And from money came the whole structure of, of greed. And, and based on fear, too, they always keep the, the bulk of the populace in fear of poverty uh, through this money system. And when you have a fear of poverty, you, you, you get an exaggerated need for more and more money. You feel secure the more you have. And this is an old uh, trick with it. So deviancy can create a, a, an opposite, another deviancy of the opposite extreme for a fear of poverty Will, will create tremendous greed which will kill others in order to get uh, wealth. In other and words, you're saying it isn't always a greed yeah. 
just to have more and more, but behind that is a fear of being in poverty. Absolutely, that's what it runs on. It, it, it counts on that, in fact. Uh, you see, your basic needs are, are food, shelter, clothing, water, uh, warmth, uh, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this structure, this scientific structure, which is, was known in ancient times, uh, knew all of this stuff and it developed over thousands of years into a very fine art. And that's why economy is always like a big roulette wheel to the, the people, the majority of the people. The market, the, you know, the animals are in the market. That's why it's called the market. The stock market. Stock market used to mean your animals. Oh, stock, the stockade. That's right. And so they all play on this big roulette wheel, and it's rigged, of wow. course, and they don't know it. And, uh, and they tell you, oh, gee, your pensions, everything's riding on this big hit-or-miss deal. So everyone's sitting biting their nails all the time. You're not allowed to relax. It, it keeps you on edge, and that's meant to do so. It's a giant con game. Always was. Giant con game. Mm-hmm. But it's based on, on, on the, the fear of poverty with its opposing exaggerated need, uh, its psychotic need to overcome that by accumulating massive wealth at anybody's expense. It's unnatural. Mm-hmm. You, uh, cool. you, see, it's you said one, you've said before more than once yeah. the ones behind this. Mm-hmm. You said, I don't think they're human. But technically they're not, because if you don't have that part of the brain, I don't think they have it. I think it's been bred out of them. Uh, just as you can bred, breed traits into a person or an animal, you can also breed certain traits out of them. And since they were selected for certain abilities and coldness and ruthlessness, these leaders are basically psychopaths themselves. But they don't have that part of the brain left. Uh, that gives compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are destruct. They are the destroyers. They are the destroyer, and their system will destroy everything it touches. So, are you saying then the possibility is that each and every one of us have some of those genes, and then it's choices we make whether we succumb or whether we don't. Yeah, if if we have a full intact brain and mind then uh, we do have choices, absolutely. Whereas they themselves, being deviant and, and, and bred with deviance forever and ever, they, they themselves don't have... They're more like creatures of instinct, uh, more like insects, you might say, uh, than, than human. Um, they have no... They don't sit and ponder over some scheme that's going to kill thousands or millions of people. Uh, they don't worry about they can sleep well at night when they start wars and bomb people from the air and slaughter whole nations they, they sleep very well they don't need tranquilizers so that yeah technically they're not human think their DNA has been tampered with uh, a not long so time that. ago I maybe primarily it's the Plato said it all in the Republic he said we can literally breed in traits if, if you want a domestic dog okay you know you can breed traits in. yeah 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 and the same thing In other words, if, if you have a dog that have a, has aggressive yeah. uh, tendencies, you don't breed it uh-huh. with another dog that has aggressive tendencies. Yeah. And I I can very well relate to that when we had Great Danes. Mm-hmm. And uh, to find out the background of the blue we had yeah. that was showing aggressive tendencies, and it was in his sire and his grandsire. 
All right, I guess we're back here. Uh, folks, I want to remind you again at the beginning of uh, the break, the website, WFAR's website, has been down a few times. And what Nicholas did is remind you that there's another way to get in, and it would be good to read. If you're not going to remember it, write it down. If you go to WFAR to hear the broadcast, and you can't do it, try going to firstamendmentradio.net. And I understand that's sort of a backdoor into it, because I know that it has happened on a few occasions. Hasn't it, Alan? Yes, it has. They were down, uh, they were down the same night our website was out. That was, what, uh, three Wednesdays ago? Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, when I couldn't get on the air because... My long distance was out, and it was back after the broadcast was over. Our website was down, and so was First Amendment Radio down. And you did the broadcast that night, and I don't know if I've announced this, but folks, if you weren't uh, able to get in, I I heard from a, a couple of people that had a link and were able to get in. But Alan has that broadcast on his website at... Um, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I like your new little uh, logo thing up at the top of the site, Alan. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I'm seeing the birth off a new DVD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Alan's giving a karate chop to the uh, capstone of the Great Pyramid. <laughs> That's good. One in the eye. Yeah. <coughs> right in the eye. Yeah. That's cool. You should tell the people that, that the DVD is out now. Well, you should go right ahead and do that. Yeah, and it's, the details are up on the website. It's worth getting. It's different than you know, anything else out there. And uh, I go into some of the history, uh, some of the occult, some of the esoteric meanings. I mix it with some music, um, a lot of visualization there to keep you occupied, mm-hmm. uh, a bit of humor at the same time. And, uh, yeah, you'll really enjoy it. You'll really enjoy it. I learn a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Now this one, it's not been said before. You've got a lot of them uh, in there that are to downloadable free, but yeah. this is one that they uh, will purchase. That's right. Okay, yeah. what is the cost on that, Alan? Uh, I think it's up for thirty-five. I think. Okay. Yeah. And that's a two-hour. It's two hours, and it truly is just packed. Okay. It'll keep you going. You won't you won't fall asleep with this one. Oh, cool! That sounds yeah. neat. You spent a long time putting that together, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it had to be just right, so it's as best as, as I could do and, and Jason could do with uh, what we had, the program. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it should be really, really pretty good. Well, as soon as I get a copy... Yeah, well, I'll it should arrive this week sometime. Oh, goody. Did you mail me one? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Now, it all depends. This is the thing with the mail, because you know all this hullabaloo that, uh, I mean, the U.S. is going overboard checking everything, and all these characters that spend their days uh, looking through parcels and packages and letters are, are given quotas to fill out, and so some get through without a problem. It just depends on your luck. Other ones are held up in a backlog uh, until they look at everything mm-hmm. or... Or watch the videos, I suppose. <laughs> that's like the... Co- oh, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I'm sure that's... I sure hope that that's happening, Alan. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
yeah, I, I, can, I can either get there within a week or it can take two, sometimes three weeks some have taken. Uh-huh. So it's all potluck right now. And even air mail's going the same speed. And that's what uh, the main headquarters for, for Canada Post told me, that whether it's air mail overland really doesn't make any difference right now. Uh, it's just in two to three weeks. Uh-huh. So if people are going to mail you and they're in a hurry, they may as well... Well, I, I will get the mail coming from the U.S. fast. I oh, okay. Six days, seven days. But okay. it's, getting, it's getting stuffed back into the U.S. On the U.S. side, it's the U.S. Customs that are doing all this. So, uh, you know, they're... Well, I also discovered, and I don't know when this started, uh, because I know... When Chuck was here, you know, we went over to Canada with the children and over to the falls and had no trouble getting in and out. Yeah. And now, uh, I guess you can get into Canada without a birth certificate. Of course, you have to show ID. Uh-huh. But I'm told that you have to have a birth certificate to get back into the U.S. from Canada. Mm-hmm. And Derek uh, had told me that when he, he and his family were going to the falls. Yeah. And I said, oh, Der- Derek, Darren, I don't, th- did I say Derek? Darren, um, our webmaster. <laughs> uh, I said, I don't think so. He said, yes, because I've read it, and my sister's coming, and they'll be coming through Canada because it's closer. And that's what she found out. She had to have a, she had to have a birth certificate to get back into the state. Yeah, to certify that you were born. Yeah. And people think they're free. And it's a certificate to certify that you were born by the authorities. Yeah. I thought your mum would have known. Yeah. But that's how, that's how farcical all of this is, isn't it? Well, it's farcical and it's insane. Uh, you, you mentioned the situation over there in London, and I don't know. I, I just believe that there are many, many people, maybe not enough yet, but I think that the numbers are growing, uh-huh. that hear that and say that's a farce. That's a setup. Yep. It's a hoax. That's right. And over here in the States, they're saying, oh, well, we have to take this because it could be explosive. Mm-hmm. And they've got a big trash can. Yeah. And they're opening up water bottles and baby bottles and mm-hmm. uh, you name it. And they're, they're pouring it. I know. All in together, yeah. like they're really afraid. And I did read a letter that somebody uh, wrote to the security, whatever it was, mm-hmm. agency that's in charge of this, and they wanted to know what gives. You're taking it away. They're taking it away from us and putting it in their own bags. Yeah. And that shampoo and it, anything evidently that's even slightly liquid, liquid makeup. That's right. Well, we're just not safe with all this stuff, you see. Right. And you, you, you know, you, it's like, I don't know if you ever watched uh, 1984, the British version with Richard Burton. Uh, were there, was there more than one version? There was an American version, which was almost futuristic sci-fi in okay. one of the 50s. It was terrible. I think I saw that one. But the British one was right on, where when Winston gets caught... Uh, and arrested and taken to the <coughs> Ministry of Love. That's where they torture you. you know? The Ministry of Love, yes. 
and uh, he, he put him in a cell and his next door neighbour's there and, he, and his next door neighbour says stay away Winston stay away I'm a thought criminal oh, I don't come near me I'm a thought criminal so I didn't know it myself till my daughter told me that's right that was in the book wasn't it yeah and you see that's where they're bringing us until we're not sure of ourselves and, and American Psychological Association is all part of this they've been churning out books for years saying you know no one can be trusted because we're all prone to do irrational things so we're all potentially criminals you see and uh, that's just what this puts me in mind of when they start to talk about mandatory psychological testing yes. for everybody but this is all part of the, the, the 1984 structure uh, that Orwell warned us about and he showed us what they would do if we'd let them and you see it happening now now the next thing you're going to hear <laughs> is, is you know uh, there'll be a science program on television and they'll say do you know you can take your ear wax and some mucus from your nose and go to the washroom and mix it with some urine and you'll have an explosive there you know so, so you're a walking chemical factory of, of explosives so we can't trust you at all <laughs> and we'll all sit there if an expert tells us and, and nod our heads and say you know he's right <laughs> that's what they'll do to us if we let them if we let them yeah <clears throat> We've got to stop disbelieving, you know, suspending our disbelief and start saying and laughing at them instead. We've got to start doing this. We've got to start doing it now before it becomes a habit and we're all used to bowing, scraping and stripping mm -hmm. and having body cavity searches. We've got to stop it now. And do you think it bothers them if we laugh at them? Pardon? Do you think it bothers them if we laugh at them? Oh, absolutely. Good. Oh, it bothers them. Oh, we should and remember that. you a control that. freak and you laugh at a control freak or a schoolyard bully, and, and, and that makes them worse, you know. Mm -hmm. And when they get worse, they do the stupidest things, which make you laugh even louder and lets other people see how stupid they are. Yeah. See, the, the, the bully mentality will, will not stop until you stop it. You have to stop it for them. That's right. There's, there's no end to the sadism that they will produce if you just keep taking it. When we talked uh, on the phone a few days ago, uh -huh. uh, I know that a lot of times the conversations that we have uh -huh. are, are, even though we're talking truth, mm -hmm. uh, it can be very depressing. And yeah. one of the things you said, I wanted our listeners to hear this because it's wonderful to hear you say it. I know it's so... Uh, but you said this is not a lost cause. No. And there are people waking up, and more and more people are waking up. Yeah. And then they come into the second reality, because the first one is just understanding what's happening now. Then you realize the second reality is that you really question everything you've taken as normal and start re-questioning that. And I mean everything, re-evaluating everything. And uh, that's when you get another shock, is realize that everything in your system was given to you. Yeah. Uh, the culture was created. Everybody's culture has been, except maybe the last remnants of the dying people in Africa. Uh, every, every culture was given to us. Um, again, Plato wrote about it in the Republic. Uh, and he was taught by the, the Egyptian Empire, which ran the ancient world for 5,000 years. So this is old science that's still being used today, and uh, you have to reevaluate everything. You can't 
get back something that, that was never That grew. never was. Um, a mutual friend of ours from Colorado, I was talking with him this afternoon, and we got talking on the Constitution. Yeah. And I told him about our conversation. <coughs> Excuse me, when you were first on with us. Mm-hmm. And how ticked off I got. I got so ticked off I quit asking you to come on for a while. Yeah. But I was kind of ticked off because you wouldn't say what you said to me on the telephone, actually. But the whole point is, I told him, we, I said I was like Noah Webster. I would have fought uh, to preserve that Constitution with my dying breath. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he um, was talking about James Madison and having read the uh, Federalist Papers, that he felt that James Madison was really in there fighting for right. And I said, well, uh, the Constitution itself was treason. You, you know, the Continental Congress had no power. Yeah. And the state, um, under the Articles of Confederation, the U.S. Congress, or the Continental Congress, literally had to ask the state's permission to do just about anything. And he said, yeah, but they had to do... The big thing they had to do was stop the trade wars between the states. And I said, you know, I saw a video. And the video, by the way, was put out by a a Mormon group. Mm -hmm. But that's when I was so in love with the country and the flag and and what it meant to me. Uh, And I thought it was a really beautiful video, but now I see. And they literally showed, uh, you know, it it was like a documentary drama, docudrama. Mm -hmm. And um, they literally showed the fights, the the shooting uh-huh. between people, between the states over trade issues. Yeah. And I thought, well, geez, that's a really great reason why we had to have a central government, you know. And this is what I told him when we talked. I said, I, I see that those trade wars were promulgated. They were orchestrated to convince the people that they needed to do something different with, you know, the form of government. Yeah. And Madison came in with that document ready to go. He was part of the program. And he's not ready to let go of that yet. And I see myself there, Alan. Yeah. (laughs) But I I told him, I said, you know, you look at things and you look at things so totally different, Uh much more clearly. Uh, From knowing you, Alan, and from learning what we've learned, everything you see, you can see behind the scenes. You can just see behind the scenes. And I was telling him about Ralph Borzewski's book, The the Constitution That Never Was. He says, oh, yeah, you know, and he kind of was like me. I wouldn't even look at the book when it was given to me because I said, oh, this is just another book to try to rip our Constitution apart. And then when you find out that our framers did frame us and that that whole thing was a setup and everything uh, leading up to it was a setup, but that's hard to take. Yeah. I mean, if you're an American, Alan, mm-hmm. that Constitution, that's, boy, that's your protection against everything. <laughs> I know. <coughs> I know. Excuse me. Again, it's tribal instinct, which they understand. They all, they, every culture is given a foundation myth, and that's what it's called in sociology, uh, at the higher levels, foundation myth, same with religions, etc. Uh-huh. And that becomes your culture, and uh, it's instilled in you. Your parents believe. Once you get one generation believing it, the the children born into it think it's quite natural. It must be true. Yes. 
and uh, and that's how it's done through repetition, repetition, repetition. But um, there's no doubt about it. That to me, the United States was set up to do exactly what it's doing. Uh, you know, Alan, it looks so clear to me now. Yeah. When you said it, I did not disbelieve it. It it, it just rang too true. Mm-hmm. However, after the research that I did, you know, in the writing of the book there, and uh-huh. folks, it's Jewish persecution I'm talking about. Actually, it's really misnamed, but it was going to be an article uh, and turned in. But in chapters 12 and chapters 18, is uh, the, the questions just came into my mind. And then I'd pull a book off the shelf and I'd do some searching on the Internet. Those two chapters just about did me in, Alan, mm-hmm. because there was nothing left for me to hang on to. Absolutely nothing left. And all it really did, well, but it was it was important to me. It confirmed what you said back there eight years ago, Alan. Yeah. It's been a long time, eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they needed a champion that would take over and bring in the new world order for the elite. No one trusted the elite of Europe because they, they played so many games and caused so many wars over the many centuries. There wasn't a, a country in Europe they could entrust to it that the public would believe. So they wanted a knight in shining armor that, that appeared brand new and, and uh, uh, wasn't tainted, and they created the United States to do it. And that's why they gave it the, 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 uh, the, the, the mottos on the Great Seal, you know. And that's why they chose the pyramid to do it, yeah. announcing the birth of a new world or secular And that's order. why the Grand Orient sent us the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Send me all your criminals and <laughs> mm-hmm. just bring them in. Here, my arms are open for you. Yeah. And so the multicultural country mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> became the worst aggressor ho, ho. In, in the latter part of the 20th century and the main aggressor in the 21st. Yeah. So that was its role was to do was to bring, uh, in, as Daddy Bush said it, you know, a new world order. Is coming into view. Yeah, I said on September the 11th, yes. 2000, and then, no, 1990, 19, 19. and then 1991 on September the 11th, they repeated it again. Yes, 1991. Yeah. September 11th, 10 years before. Yeah. Um, and I know with your memory you would be able to repeat this, when they said we are now an empire. Mm-hmm. Would you uh, share that again with our listeners? Yeah, that was, I think, I, I grew up in the Baltimore paper, uh-huh. but it was in a whole bunch of them. And it was in a bunch of them. Advisor of the Bush uh, bunch, the wild bunch, I guess we can call them. Um, <laughs> the axis of evil. Yeah. The evil <laughs> axis. <laughs> Yeah, and he said, uh, we are an empire now, he said. He says, and we'll give you your reality. And he says, and when you're trying to catch up and figure out what that is, we'll give you another reality. Because we are an empire now, and that's just the way it is. Yes. Yeah. We give you your reality. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, if, and they're right, because they dish out to the big media what the big media repeats to us. We, now, in old days, not so long ago, that was called straight propaganda. And that was taught to universities that all news is propaganda, you know. And that isn't taught anymore to the general public. But it is still taught to the top elites and their offspring. And they lose the date. 
they, they're born into this world uh-huh. and not lose their minds. They've never had their own minds, have they, Alan? No, they've never had... Um, they believe, truly, that they are the, the, the epitome of evolution. They're the, the height of evolution. Well, they're born into it. Yeah, and they believe it, though. They hear it uh, Well, sure, up. but it's like people... It, you know, when you're born into a particular religion, yeah, it's like it's in your cells, Alan. Oh, yeah, and, and these guys, too, are the umpteenth offspring of the inbred offspring. Right. Uh, they don't have any compassion for for those little people, the commoners below them. Right. And the commoners breed because they pick their own partners, generally because they're young and hormonally driven. Um, that's the reality of life. It's another thing that has to be faced, you know. Uh, so many things have to be faced to break through into a reality. Um, the fact that we do have drives, and, and these drives as well are guided by the ones at the top to create cultures. But uh, the fact is, um, the, the elites themselves feel nothing for the common people. Nothing at all, literally. Well, you know what? I, I suppose there are some breakaways. I, I uh, suppose there they are, are some. They, they don't last long. No. They have accidents. Right. Or get uh-huh. sent you know, to Africa or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you, you you were describing to me one time how they're raised, Alan. Uh-huh. And any any compassion that a natural person would feel yeah. is erased out of them by the way they're treated as they're being raised. Mm-hmm. And in... You remember you you were talking about how the boys, you know, they're sent off to the private schools. Right. The schoolmasters are homosexuals. Uh-huh. The boys have to take their pants down to have their butts whacked with the board. Yeah. And before you know it, they're being stimulated by violence. Yeah, but not only that. I mean, they're separated even before school because they're brought up with a nanny. Uh-huh. And the mother has minimal contact with her children. And the whole idea, supposedly, is to make them have a stiff upper lip and great right. favorites and, and be a man, you see, and all that kind of stuff. But of course, what they're doing is making sure there's no compassion in there. And like everything that's deprived, you get an exaggerated need for it, in a sense. And so they go into military, or, or they want to... That's why the, the main uh, um, figures down through history uh, that created empires, the, the big war makers were... Primarily homosexual. Yes. That's and they were fact. probably sexually abused as children. <coughs> maybe oh, right right from infancy. Yeah, that too. And, and and even to prove it, you know, when you went to Oxford or Cambridge uh, as a newcomer, a new fellow, you'd be assigned to a senior pupil, and you would be his basically his servant. And you were called, and still is called that, a fag. That was the term that was given to you. That's what they called them, a fag? You're a fag, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's gay now. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've, I've, you know how you talk to us so much about the words and the meanings of words? Yeah. This was something uh, I wanted to share with our listeners, and maybe the next time we could talk about this. The alphabet, the, 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 where the alphabet came from even, Alan? Oh, yeah. Do you, is there a history? Yeah, there's a history, uh, although it's a murky one because, and very good reasons for it being murky. 
because it's, it's, it's also a coding. I mean, the whole language we have is a code, actually. Um, uh-huh. as, as, as inner meaning uh, is numerical as well. The Chaldeans had supposedly one of the first uh, linguistic and numeric, numerical codes built into their language, and it's never been any different when you go back through them all. Even today, it doesn't matter what language you pick, there's coded, the same coding is in yes. it. Yes, and, and, and um, the book that I had read about this, they also talked about the actual uh, energy of a word. And at the end of this paragraph, uh, the author said, um, he said, for instance, we cannot talk peace into existence using the words of war, and neither can we elicit love from another using the terms of threat. But he, he spends a few paragraphs discussing the, the, the energy of the words and how we've lost how we've lost our ability to communicate on more than just a spoken level. Yeah, and even the spoken level has been minimized. It's called linguistic minimum. Right. As it takes more and more words out of the dictionary, as Orwell said. You can't express yourself. You can't express yourself. It's problem with most young people. Well, could we talk about this next time? Sure. I'd like to. Folks, we're out of our hour here, and we'll be back with you next Wednesday night. Thank you very much for being here. Remember to tune in Monday and Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, for Darren Week. Good night, folks. Night.